Hi, everybody. Welcome to another version of the Bruce Singer podcast. I'm Bruce Singer. I'm your host. And before we get into today's wonderful guest, just want to tell you a bit about the podcast. Uh, it's focusing on storytelling, content, inspiration, entrepreneurship, and today is no exception. And we're focusing on the food and beverage industry, food tech, ad tech, uh, health, wellness. That's the space that we play in. And again, today's very exciting. And also, uh, I am the CEO and founder of Canada's CFOs, which provides fractional CFOs and interim CFOs, and at the same time helps them raise capital and financing for the same thing, food tech, ad tech, and the same uh, health and wellness, and the same, uh, the same industries as well. Um, so I'm going to introduce my guest today, and welcome to the podcast, Cambi Lale. Did I get it? Did I pronounce it right? I hope I did. You got it okay. on. My full yeah. name's Adekambi Lale, but everyone calls me Cambi. Awesome. So, awesome. Yeah. Cambi, welcome to the podcast. Uh, just a bit of a background story. Uh, we're, we met on LinkedIn, but we keep bumping into each other on, uh, <laughs> on uh, at different shows across uh, Ontario, which is really cool. Yeah. So I said, come on the podcast. And he's got some really interesting insights to share uh, what he's up to. And uh, other bit of tidbit of information is uh, sitting down, we don't know this. I'm very tall. I'm six foot seven. Uh, Camby is taller than me. So <laughs> that's another thing that was kind of like cool. Yeah. Uh, made me feel good. So I'm not the tallest guy there. That's really cool, Camby. Okay. So let me tell you about Camby. Okay. He is a serial entrepreneur, the the, the co-founder of his current, current, current venture in entrepreneurship called Uptaste, which I'll tell you a bit about. Um, he also won a basketball scholarship at the University of Buffalo, which is really cool. And he's going to share, he's going to share his story. And he also founded a digital agency, built it, and eventually sold that too. And he's an avid golfer and he's a cool guy. Again, it's all about, uh, and by the way, I saw him uh, work the show at the U recent at UNFI. Patient, he introduced me up to every single founder and entrepreneur. I think that's awesome. He's, he's, a, he's a really... He's a tremendous individual and and a giver, and so it's it's amazing to have you on. And Camby, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Bruce. I'm extremely excited to to be here. And uh, it, the funny story is that when we first met in Ottawa a couple months back, I don't know if you remember this, but I first you were sitting down and I first spotted your socks because I know you love fun socks just like me. <laughs> so cool. So you're sitting down, your legs are crossed, and I saw your socks, and I was like, wait a minute. Those are fun socks. Then I looked up and I saw you, and then you stood up, and then uh, and then the tall man club started there. So yeah, that's so funny. The tall man club—that's hilarious. Thank you, Kathy, yeah. for recognizing it. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to talk about. We're going to get into a few different things, but first, I want I want to share with the audience before we talk about you and your story. What yeah. does Uptaste actually do? Yeah. So in its simple form, we have automated in-store sampling. And then a lot of people say, what does that mean? You've automated in-store sampling. Well, what we've done is instead of having the traditional brand ambassador that stands in stores and cuts you know, the cheese and hands it to consumers or hands a cracker or chips or whatever it may be, we've placed machines in retail stores that automates the whole process. So there's a screen, there's uh, interaction, there's feedback, there's photos, and I'll explain that a little bit more into detail, but that's that's what Uptaste has done. Okay. So you've solved a major problem problem that the a lot of times it's the founder going out or or yeah. brand ambassadors that can't be everywhere at the same time <laughs> okay. am, I, am i getting it right exactly so 
Yeah. We know at the end of the day, the founders that start these incredible brands, you know, it's important for them to get out to stores. 100%. But at the end of the day, they can't be in every store at the same time. And at the same time that they have millions of other things on their plate that they need to do as a founder. So yes, do they need to spend time in stores? Absolutely. But can they can they be everywhere at the same time? Absolutely not. And that's really where we cool. step in. Okay. So we're going to come back to that. We're going back to you and Upcase and, and what's yeah. going on. We're going to we're going to share some content on that. Uh, I also want to I also want you to share. Well, let's back share your story because yeah. obviously when you were a kid, my age, it was basketball. I probably lived. I, I don't know. Maybe it did. It didn't live dream basketball. All of a sudden, now you're a serial entrepreneur yeah. and with Uptaste and in the food business. That yeah. typically doesn't work that way when we're youngsters, you know. So there's yeah. a journey, there's a journey there's an origin story and a journey that takes place. Yeah. So can you share, can you share your unique story? Absolutely. So funny enough, and a lot of people can't tell by my accent, but I actually was born in Quebec City. So born in Quebec City, uh, French Canadian mother, West African father. Uh, then we quickly moved to London, Ontario. So I grew up actually in London, Ontario, where I spent my elementary days. And there I actually played hockey. I was a triple A hockey, played hockey my whole life. And towards the age of Call it 14, 15. I started to play a little bit of basketball for fun, elementary school. And then started, I was really good at hockey and started getting better and better and better at basketball. And they're both winter sports. So my dad sat me down and said, Hey, listen, you're you're really good at hockey. You're getting pretty good at basketball, but you're gonna have to pick one. Because at that point, you know, you have to pick a sport to really focus in on. And for whatever reason, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm really passionate about basketball. And so I picked basketball. Focus 100%. That summer, I grew six inches. When I, wow, what I mean, that, that, was the, wow. that was the most painful summer of my life. But you could imagine six inches in one summer. But of course, lots of clothes. <laughs> yeah, I went from different sizes real quick. Real expensive, real expensive summer for my mom. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I grew. And you could imagine that in basketball, being tall helps, you know, significantly a, a lot. So it was the right choice there. And then I actually moved to Ottawa from there and, and did my high school days in Ottawa. And again, playing basketball, getting better at it, playing with the club teams there. I uh, decided I was at the point when I graduated high school, Ontario had just eliminated grade 13. So my sister, who's a year, a year older, she was in grade 13. I was in grade 12. And Ontario was kind of like, okay, it's it's that weird transition. So you can come back to high school for one more year if you want. You can go directly to university. Uh, but then I was like, you know what? I want to continue playing basketball and I needed a little bit more development time. So I looked at different options at different prep schools in this in the US, for example. And then CJEP, which I had the right to attend, and so I was born in Quebec, uh, was an option. So I, I moved to Montreal, went to Champlain St. Lambert, played three years of basketball there, an incredible basketball program run by John D'Angelis at the time, incredible human, incredible coach. And we were just a pipeline to American universities. So I think there was 15 or so guys during my three years there that went Division One, uh, big schools, Michigan State, Davidson, Gonzaga, uh, myself and a teammate went to University of Buffalo and a bunch of other schools in the time. So, yeah, so then went to University of Buffalo. Uh, I did my undergrad in media studies. I always had a passion for creativity and for using my hands and to creating basically nothing to something and kind of just telling stories using film. Um, so did that for three years. So fast tracked my bachelor's and then I did my master's in humanities concentration film studies again, which was more of the business side of 
uh, the film industry a little bit. So really understanding proposals and script writing and getting really good at that, um, which led me to uh, graduate, uh, move to New York City with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, in the first two years of, of kind of living in New York, I was actually working in Dubai. So I was doing four weeks Dubai, two weeks wow. New York. Wow. Yeah. And and I've, I've always had a huge bug for travel. Uh, I've been very fortunate to travel a lot with my my family when I was younger and, and really got that bug. And it's something to today that I still extremely enjoy, which uh, I'll tell you the story about Uptaste and where that company was founded. It wasn't founded. I'd like to hear that. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, so uh, New York, uh, four weeks Dubai, two weeks New York, going back and forth, doing that for two years. And then eventually, uh, you know, with, with again, my girlfriend at the time kind of saying, hey, we want to continue to build something together. So it would be nice to be in the same city. Uh, so came back, started a digital agency with a couple uh, found uh, partners and founders at the time. We started a digital agency, uh, had it for about five years. It got acquired by a larger agency. Uh, stayed on board for a little bit and then decided that, you know, my my path was to continue on elsewhere. So okay. exited that and uh, and yeah, and then did a couple other things in between and then Uptaste now. So why Uptaste? Like, like because it, it is in the food industry. Like, like I see food, food tech. It's to me, it's all food. Yeah. Like food and okay, Absolutely. Food and I think that's one of the distinctions today. If people separate tech from food, you know, it's, it's all food. It's, it's all, all food. Tech. And we know the problems that are happening today in the industry and all going on. Yeah. Uh, so how did that come about? Uh, how did you make the entry into 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 this industry? Two 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 ways. One, my my father's actually a food biologist, so he's done his whole career in the food space. So growing around food, uh, he was more focused on the dairy side. Uh, so cow milk and uh, cow cheese, but then eventually he went to to camel milk and camel cheese and, and experimented on that side. Uh, so really like seeing him being in the food space was definitely a um, just a huge fascination for me um, and motivation at the same time, even though that my beginning of my career, I, I didn't dabble in the food space. And then the second thing was my best friend and business partner, Maxim Paluskaslein. Everyone knows him as Max. And again, so we've been best friends for 22 years and his family comes from the food industry. Um, he worked, um, they owned and operated Les Dependances, which is a cheese import export business that they owned for multiple years. And they sold that business, if I'm not mistaken, in 2017. Um, but he, he basically took that business over, um, uh, 20, 2010 to 2015. I think he ran it possibly 2017, yeah. but so at the time he was running the, the cheese business. And what he did was he launched old Amsterdam across Canada, which is a cheese by going into stores every Saturday, every Sunday, cutting up cheese, handing it to consumers. Right. And I would, I would help him from time to time. I would help him in the back in, in the warehouse to organize cheese from time to time and really seeing the operations and how everything, um, uh, happens. And one night we would work together a lot on, he would work on his business. I would work on my business and he grew old Amsterdam by growing a team of ambassadors, 15 ambassadors, again, every weekend, Saturday, Sunday, going to grocery stores and cutting up cheese. And one night, I think it was 2012, we're working together late. And he's like, there needs to be a better way to getting samples to consumers. And that, at that moment, he draws on a napkin, this machine that cut up cheese and would hand it to consumers. And he's like, this is it. This is like, I would put this in, in every single store and I'd be able to sample my cheese and not have to have the headaches of finding staff and training staff and keeping staff and everything that we still have today. And I, I looked at him, I said, Max, 
fantastic idea. Love it. But I'm busy. You're busy. It's not the time to start another business, right? Long story short, he agreed. We put it aside. And fast forward to 2021, uh, he was exiting his role um, as a general manager at Sato at the time, a food distributor uh, here in, in, in Montreal. And I was exiting my role at a, at a different uh, company. And we said, you know what? It's time that we go into business together. You've done a lot of things. I've done a lot of things. We're best friends. We had really hard conversations. The, the ones that you have to have as a founder with other founders to make sure we're on the same page. But we knew we were. So we had those hard conversations. We said, you know what? Let's do it. Let's go into business together. And like any great story and travel, uh, Costa Rica is involved. So he took off to Costa Rica with his wife and his, his first child at the time. Uh, for a couple months. And they said, you know what, why don't you join us at the tail end? And the goal of that is let's come up with a business idea. And while we were there in Costa Rica for a couple of weeks together, we would brainstorm during the day and at night. And we thought of real estate ideas, mobile app ideas, a whole bunch of different things. And and literally one day on the couch, uh, you know, talking, he looks at me, he goes, what about in-store sampling? I go, what about it? So again, 2021. Going it's, back to the old, the, the idea, the original idea. Yeah, going back to the original yep. idea. It's 2021 and it's COVID. And in-store sampling was at zero. It was against the law to do in-store sampling, right? So we're like, okay, so when we come out of this pandemic, we know that sampling is still extremely important, not only for consumers, not only for brands, but for retailers as well. Yep. So we threw ourselves into research and really just looked at, what are the pain points for consumers? What are the pain points for brands? And what are the pain points for retailers when it comes to doing sampling in their stores? And we 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 kind of just researched and dug and researched and dug. And we said, we're going to solve all those pain points for everybody. From a consumer standpoint, it was the fact that consumers don't really want to talk to anybody anymore. You know, it's we're going automation in everything that we do. And consumers are just more used to you know, when you go to checkout, it's the it's the machine. You're checking out yourself. Uh, when you're doing anything, when you go to car washes, it's automated. Everything's just automation, right? So, and consumers not wanting that sales pitch in a store about a brand, yeah. you know, it's having someone like, hey, come here and try this. And maybe they're in a rush and they don't want to, or they're not comfortable talking to somebody else, or they're still worried about uh, contamination or what it may be. So from a consumer standpoint, we knew that we were solving a pain point. From the brands, we go back to the founders, right? So the founders, we know that our machines will never outsell a founder. But at the end of the day, a founder can't be in 10, 100, 1,000 stores at the same time. And that founder has more likely better things to do with their time than standing in stores and talking to, even though it's extremely important and they do it and we recommend it, but you know, doing it every single weekend, not only is it time consuming, but you're going to burn out, right? So from a brand's perspective, but also from... There's a lot of data behind it, but the data shows that 86% of consumers are more likely to buy a product once they try it. So what's the difference between, I go into a grocery store and there's all these products, there's over 50,000 SKUs in a grocery store, but yet I typically buy like the hundred same products because those are the products I know, those are products I like, yep. used to, I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable with the price point. I like their flavor, their taste, but there's hundreds of the same products next to it. But yet I always pick the one that I pick because I've never gotten a chance to try the product next to it. And especially when it's in the health food industry, a lot of consumers have kind of like waved off the, you know, the keto or the sugar-free or the healthy or the gluten, 
because maybe they've tried a product three years ago or four years ago that was, you know, keto or gluten-free and they didn't like the taste. So from that moment on, they said, well, I don't like that one. So I, I'm not going to like anything, but obviously in the food industry, things change and, and change and every brand and product is different. So yeah. So from a brand perspective, getting your brand and your product out to consumers was a huge uh, pain point and a problem that we're solving. And then the last, not but not least the retailers, right? The retailers, why does Costco have so many samples every single day in their stores? One, because it works. And two, because it has consumer loyalty. Consumers come back to Costco knowing that they get to try new products every time they go. And that adds tremendous value to the retailer. So the fact that now we can put a machine into a retailer and what's going to make you as a consumer choose one store over the next, well, maybe because that one now has a tasting offered every single time you go into it and you get to try different products. So the consumer loyalty just goes to another level for retailers, of course, just innovation in, in itself. Mm. Right. And, and a lot of different things. So those are a bunch of the pain points. So I know I kind of went off track a little bit there, but no, that's very, very yeah. interesting. So what yeah. have you through this process? You know, what I wonder what you've learned through this process, because like, because sometimes like the founders, I, I don't know. I I love the idea. You know, this yeah. is an evolution, right? But you might have a a founder set in his ways or her ways. Okay, <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's, and. It's, uh, like, what have you learned? Like, what have, what are the obstacles you're facing? Like, from your own learning experience, just curious. Yeah, yeah, it's you know what? It's there's a few things. One, the the food industry is controlled by a couple large players, right? And those players yeah. get a lot more time in to Canada. Make, yeah, in Canada. In Canada. In Canada. U.S. is different. U.S. is Canada. But in Canada, it's controlled by a few large key players, and those key players take more time to make decisions, which we understand. But as you know, a young entrepreneur that just, if you ask me for something, it's done. It's it's just like, it's it's put on the list. We get it done, uh, whatever it may be. Like we have a young, hungry, agile team that we just get things done. Um, so it's kind of learning the patience of going to somebody else's speed and, and kind of like planning accordingly to that. There's a huge learning curve there. Um, but again, it's, it's, you you mentioned like the founder set in their ways, but it's not if if a founder believes and does sampling already, it is extremely easy to convince them to try us at least once. And then once they try us once, it's up to us to show them we can execute, we can deliver. The data that we're able to capture behind it is is worth the, data, ROI. the data too. You get the data as well. Exactly. That, eh? so, they're so, not gonna do that. They're not gonna do that. No. Like they're too busy, they're too busy getting people to try their their product. Yep. You know? So even if they were to try to count how many people walk by, how many people stopped, how many people tried it, how many people buy it, it's kind of just a finger in the air, a wild kind of guess, right? Where we have actual data that our machines have sensors that really show how many consumers walk by, how many stopped, how long did they stop for, did they click on the machine, did they, so the machine, after you click on it, ask for feedback when you try the product. So thumbs up, neutral, thumbs down of what you actually think. If you like the brand and you like the product, you can take a picture to promote the brand. Um, and then of course the sales data that we're able to capture from the store. And, and what we do there is we get nine weeks of sales data. So we look at four weeks prior, what were your baseline sales? Um, you can make, you can make the link. Yep, exactly. It's one or like it's all tied in. It's all tied in to the. All tied in, yeah. Yeah. So then oh, for, what were your baseline sales during the campaign? What's that spike we were able to generate? 
And then even more importantly, four weeks after, what's the new baseline that we were able to, to, to increase, right? So to really show that ROI that sampling works and that your product is, is selling more because of the campaign you ran with us. So in the perfect world, yeah. you, can, you can actually be sampling at every store in Canada. Yeah. yeah. Or, or you scale it in every store in Canada. Yeah. If 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 the if all three if all two parties buy into it, you know what I mean. Yeah. So and uh, last year, just to, to answer that question, last year we did roughly sixty thousand samples. Our first, so it was our first year of, of going, and yeah. and we started this company by Max and I building the machines in the garage with the help of his father. You know, we built it out of wood and we put them to grocery stores, and wow. and this year we're on pace to doing over six hundred thousand samples given to consumers. And again, that's based on the new machines we have placed in grocery stores. But our goal as a business is to be able to reach 1 million consumers per week. That's unbelievable. That's right? unbelievable. So then, so your, business, so your business has a scale. So let me ask you another question. Yeah. What do you learn as an entrepreneur in the food business? I, you brought up something else. I'm going to you mind if I just switch for a moment? Because no, no, no. now you're scaling your business. Yeah. As an entrepreneur in the food business, what are some of your key learnings because now you got technology you got issues yeah. a, a, a um a scale of that size you're gonna have to raise some serious capital yeah there's um so we've 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 did a we've done a round with family and friends uh so max and i were the ones that kind of funded the field of business for the first year and then we realized that if we want to take it to the next step that we're going to need a little bit of capital so we did a round with family friends uh, and industry uh people that we called it um, and yeah, and definitely from a, a scaling capability, like once we continue to grow, um, especially at the size that we want to get to, uh, funding will probably be uh, another option that we'll we'll look at. Yeah. So what have you learned internally in your own business? What is the, is there one learning that you've done since you've been in this business? One or two key learnings? For for me personally, it's, it's enjoying the journey. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, everyone has that end goal and, and, and where they want to be, but then they forget that the journey is the fun part. Because if you don't enjoy the journey, when you get to the end, you're going to look back and you might not even be happy when you get to that goal you set. Yeah. I've kind of been there, done that, where looking back, I was like, well, I didn't enjoy it and I don't really enjoy where I ended up. So what was kind of the point of that, right? So now it's it's waking up every day and just enjoying the moment, enjoying the current day and and trying to, you know, it's that 1% better every single day and learning something new and just improving. Um, and by all means, like, are we perfect? Absolutely not. We still make mistakes. But what we do is we learn from the mistakes, we own up to the mistakes, and then we share with our team to make sure that we don't make these mistakes again. Um, and for for uptaste, so we we call ourselves uppers. Uh, we're, we're, we're uppers. And, and to be uppers, for us, it's you have to have passion. And again, the passion doesn't have to be the food industry or technology, but you just have to be passionate about something in your life. Correct. Um, you have to take risk because, of course, being an entrepreneur or working for a startup, there's risk involved in that. And not everyone's comfortable with that. And we understand. But to, you know, to be an upper for us, you got to take risk. You have to be willing to learn because I think learning for us is the most important thing. We wouldn't be where we are today, you know, 18 months down the line if we didn't learn from consumers, from brands, from yeah retailers for more mentors you know for more family so and then you got to be able to bounce back because 
you know, things were oh, you yeah. know, Jeez, you yeah. be able to bounce back because we you get hit constantly. You get no Everything's going like this. Oh my. <laughs> so, so bouncing back. Of course. And then, and then the most important thing for us is that you want to, as an upper, you want to share. So it's like when you learn something, if you just keep it for yourself, for me, that's that's kind of just selfish, right? So if I learn something, I want to share it with with you, with my friends, with my colleagues. Like just sharing is is just a big part of of kind of who Max and I are. And that's what we want to portray um as entrepreneurs and as founders and um as uppers, right? So that's it. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, you know, Camby, this has been this has been very, very insightful. And thank you for sharing about your your recent journey as an entrepreneur uppers, as uppers, you know, yep. and we're coming to an end of the podcast, which is, which is awesome. This has really been awesome. And I see you're making uh, really solving a key pain, like pain points and uh, out there. And yeah. I, I wish you much success and I know you'll be Thanks successful. Fun. Yeah. And before we wrap up, is there any additional piece of information you wanted to share that perhaps we didn't talk about that you want to mention? Yeah. Uh, just more like, again, it goes back to just learning and feedback. Anyone listening to this, if, if you go and try our machine or if you have a thought, like we are so open. We we just love hearing feedback, positive, negative, whatever it may be. That's the only way we're going to continue to get better. Um, so we're super open to feedback. So if you have a chance to try our machine, uh, feel free to call me, email me. I'm, I'm easy sure. to find uh, on LinkedIn, whatever it may be. Um, and we're just really grateful. We're grateful for our family and our friends and our investors and uh, our, our colleagues that work with us. And, and yeah, I just hope that we continue down this path and, and awesome. able to, to reach consumers with the delicious brands that are out there. Thank you. So when someone goes to a, a grocery, it'll be, I mean, using a grocery store as an example, yeah. which is the most common. Yeah. How will they know it's an uptaste machine? They'll see uptaste. Oh yeah. It's, it it's, has it's, a big, uh, big, big brand with the brand there and the whole bit. Yeah. yeah so it's, 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 cool. a, it's obviously it says, uh, it's got our logo on it. It's a big red machine. Um, and every week in the grocery store, there's a different product. So we have eight machines currently in the market, uh, four IGAs, La Moisson, Avril, and, uh, Provigo Boucherville, oh. uh, Provigo Longay coming soon. Um, so we have eight machines in the market. Our goal is to have 23 by the end of the summer and just to continue to grow uh, from there. That's awesome. Look, yeah. I wish you much success. And Thank you. really, you're really helping out a lot of people. And uh, I think it's awesome. Appreciate anyway, it. everybody, we're coming to the end of the podcast. Have, get you next time and have a wonderful day. Take care. Thanks, Camby. Thank Bye you. everybody.